Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment, you're nailing it, and the next, you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Parent Podcast. I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this week we are having a live coaching call with one of the members of my Balancing You membership community. Balancing You members are able to come on for free live coaching with me as a part of the podcast. And so this member bravely took that opportunity. She did ask that her name be bleeped out, that she wanted to be anonymous. So you might hear it bleeped out or cut out during listening today. So just know that that's what's happening. This mom is beautiful and brave and consistently committed to taking action towards bettering herself and bettering her parenting for the good of herself and for the good of her family. So in this episode, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about attachment relationships, how they form and how they influence our internal narrative as we grow. We talk about how they show up then in later adulthood with our adult romantic relationships and with our children. We talk about learning to self-soothe and learning to adjust the ways that we've protected ourselves our whole life. We learn how to start setting more healthy boundaries and have more healthy, well-differentiated relationships. And we also talk about how old patterns can emerge during times of stress. And those are a call to healing, an opportunity to finally heal old wounds. And so there's a little bit of inner child sprinkled in here. There's a little bit of attachment theory sprinkled in here. There's a little bit of parts work sprinkled in here and thought work sprinkled in. And so this episode has a lot going on, but I think it's going to be really helpful if there are old narratives old stories, default ways of responding that you're having a hard time letting go of. There's stuff in here for you. So I hope you enjoy it. Let's take a listen. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Find out she would be so angry. However, I was freaking out. So I go through these like rabbit hole spirals where I'm like, oh my God, my daughter hates me like with all of her guts because she tells me that and I believe it. And I know that, you know, because of my childhood, because of the verbal abuse, because of the name calling that I received as a child, I believe it because I was made to feel ashamed and that I'm not worthy. And it sucks. I can admit it. I can talk about it, but it's like embarrassing. It's an embarrassing thing to admit. And I feel very vulnerable. Okay. Reaching out. Absolutely. But anyway, so hold on, wait just a second, because you said something that I think is really important and it is 
is important to know that when we are children and our grown-ups who are supposed to keep us safe and protect us, abuse us and treat us poorly, verbally abuse us, physically abuse us, it creates a very real dissonance and very real sense of unsafety for a child. And a child has to feel safe. And so really the only option for a child in that scenario is to believe all of the things that their parents are saying to them. Because if they believe that their parents were bad people or that their parents didn't love them or that their parents, you know, just were messed up or unstable themselves, that is way too risky for a kid to believe. A kid can't feel safe and secure and do the things that they need to do to develop and grow if they believe that. And so they have to believe what the parent is saying. They have to believe that there's something wrong with me because if there's something wrong with my parent, then that's way too dangerous that I can't survive. You know, that's what attachment relationships do for us is they keep us safe. They help us survive and they teach our brains to think in ways that amplify our chances for survival. Right. And so this is something that now as an adult, you look back and you think like, I can't believe I believe those things about myself and you can be very hard on yourself. But in reality, those were adaptive thought strategies that a very young child developed in order to stay safe and to feel secure in the environment that she had no choice to be in. You know what I mean? So if a parent is constantly telling us that we're not worthy, we're not good enough, we're stupid, we're, you know, is being verbally abusive to us, we have no choice as children most of the time but to believe that. Mm-hmm. We have to think it's true. And so then, because that's built into our internal working model of ourselves, of what we think of ourselves, our self-concept, then the rest of our life, we are worried about that being true. Even when we realize like that was ever true, that was always their problem. We still have this like deep fear that it's true about ourselves. And we are also constantly scanning for confirmation that it's true. We're constantly scanning our environment and our interactions with the people that we love to confirm this worldview of I'm awful. I'm not worthy. I'm not lovable. I have to do, you know, all of these things. I have to wear this mask to make sure that I'm lovable, to make sure I'm okay. So it starts out very adaptive though. The little ones inside of us had to do this in order to survive. They had to make sense of their world in this way in order to feel safe and secure. And the doing so kept them safe. Those are strategies that were adaptive in childhood. And as we age and grow, they no longer serve us. They actually get in the way of authentic, connected relationships when we were attempting to have healthy relationships because they were never healthy to begin with. And that wasn't our fault as kids. I don't know if this is helping. No, it makes total sense. I know, you know, I know my parents did the best that they could. And I know that they have their own childhood traumas and histories. My mom has the anxiety that I have and she's clinically depressed. And my dad was being born when his sister was dying. So his mom wanted nothing to do with him. I understand why they were the way they were. They've apologized. They've owned up to it for the most part. And wow, my dad had, you know, a near death experience. He had a heart attack. He flatlined and they were resuscitating him. He almost died. And so since then he'll just randomly call me and say that he loves me, which is very hard for him to do. And that he's so sorry. And he regrets being so angry and you know, the name calling and stuff like that. So that feels good, but I still don't feel totally comfortable. They live in another state. 
So when I see them though, it's interesting because I feel it in my body. And I just discovered this a few years ago, like in my forties, I feel it in my body. When I sit down next to him, if he'll put his hand on my lap, I freeze. I mm, Of course you do. There's trauma there. But I'm so fascinated learning all of this and I want to push myself through this because I don't want to be stuck in this. You know, I yeah. was very independent and sassy and fiery. I fought with them a lot because being called a name, I would fight back. I did not take it lightly. Eventually I would go cry in my room and my dog would lick my tears. That was my comfort. We were talking about soothing and I don't know how to self to soothe myself. So I was thinking back about this, actually. I don't know how I'm not completely overweight because food and chocolate sugar is my self-soothing. I remember using my babysitting money and buying a case of Nestle Crunch and having it under my bed. When I was like in junior high, I would eat chocolate candy bars in my room, like Mm -hmm. several of them. So that was my self-soothing, but that's not a healthy one. So I need to come up with some, now it's Starbucks, it's mochas, tons of sugar. Yeah. And you know why that is, right? So sugar releases neurochemicals that balance you, that flood you with feeling good hormones and chemicals to replace you know, to counter the stress hormones that are flowing through your body. Yeah. So we were talking about how, like, if you weren't soothed as a child and were instead were abused emotionally or physically, like you can't expect to magically know how to soothe yourself as an adult, right? Those are new strategies that you have to learn. And you're absolutely right. I know that you're learning those things. I know that as you are practicing more meditation and mindfulness, you're learning those things. But I want to circle back to the way that you would push back against your parents and they called you names. And I know that you're struggling right now with your two tween age daughters who are also calling you names. And it is hard when that happens. It's hard not to take it personally. And it's hard when there's an echo of what we experienced, right? As young children, or even as teens ourselves, like I'm just guessing and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you were a young child and there was name calling or kind of verbal abuse, there wasn't as much of a pushback. But as an adolescent, once you got older, maybe even as you approach the age that your children are now, there was more pushback. Am I right? I think I always had pushback. I always had a little fire lit in me. That's awesome. I think it's amazing <laughs> that it didn't get quenched. Well, in certain situations it did. Yes. In yeah. certain ways it did. You know, I just am worried about like saying too much because I don't know. I, don't, I doubt that my family is going to listen to this. I know that they did the best that they could, but some of the things that were said, like keep your mouth shut, shut your mouth. Mm. So now- I'm afraid to speak up. When I'm in groups, I cannot talk. Or if there's a conflict, I like start to stutter. Tell me what the fear is. What is the thought like running through your head? I just can't formulate my thoughts. I don't know how to think sometimes. I get scared. I'm scared I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to hurt their feelings. I'm going to make them mad. Those are all Um, the thoughts that are flowing through your head. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to make them mad. I'm going to sound stupid. What they're going to think of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. What are they going to think of me? Yeah. And when you think those things, how do you feel? What do you it, feel in your body? Like, where do you feel it? My whole body feels hot, shaky, mm-hmm. almost like a mini panic attack. You know, we've had a few not bad confrontations, but with the whole virtual school thing, we've had to deal with some situations with other parents and, you know, having tough conversations has never been easy for me. However, I've had to have like two pretty serious conversations lately. And my husband is 
awesome. I will write down all my emotional thoughts and he will then type it up and have factual information and like an outline. And, you know, he, so mm-hmm. he will help coach me to be able to have the talk. But he's like, no, you can do it. And I'm like, uh, uh, but so I do it, mm-hmm. but I feel my mind is all over the place. I have a hard time focusing and yeah, yeah absolutely. So in that moment, you are in fight or flight, right? So that hotness, that shakiness, that is your body's stress response. And the reason why you can't formulate your words and think of what you need to say is because your language centers, your language processing centers are offline during fight or flight, right? So of course you can't think of what you're going to say. And so the first step then is to soothe and get your nervous system back on track, get out of fight or flight, right? And so how do we do that then? Like that's getting the pause, right? In the moment, coming back to yourself. And so you can practice that outside of the moment. Like we are now, we're kind of thinking about those scenarios, thinking about how it felt, imagining how it feels, and then practicing coming back in. So what would be helpful if like you were to just close your eyes and imagine like the last time you were in that scenario, your mind is racing, you feel hot and flush, a little shaky, like what would soothe you right then? Don't think about it too much, just be instinctual. What would soothe you? To be hugged and held. Hugged and held some pressure some love. Mm -hmm. Just keep thinking, and I'm closing my eyes while I'm doing this. Keep thinking about what it would feel like then to feel that hug. Like imagine it happening to you. Like maybe it's even me hugging you or your husband hugging you. Touch is my thing. Yeah. So feel the pressure. Imagine the pressure on your body. Our brains are beautifully flexible. We don't even always have to have it physically happen. Imagine what it would feel like. You might even place your hand over your heart or your hand on your arm where that pressure would be if someone was hugging you, you know, press it in and imagine it's, you know, a friend's hand or your partner's hand. And we're not in this situation right now, although maybe you are, maybe this is quite stressful to be talking and knowing that it's being recorded. So take a breath and feel it in your body. What would it feel like? to be in that stressful moment and just hold my arms, hold my own arms, offer that to myself. Because all the things that we didn't get as children, all the reassurance that, hey, you know, even when you make mistakes, you're still lovable. All of that, we can offer that to ourselves right now in the moment. So in that moment when you are stressed and trying to advocate for your child and think about what to say, there's all these fears running through your mind that what are they going to think about me? They're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to get my kid in trouble. Like whatever those thoughts are, just take a moment just to quiet them and reassure yourself. Imagine too that little is in there, maybe nine-year-old or 10-year-old who would normally feel just so frozen, who'd been told to shut up so much, to just be quiet. What would she need you to say? What would small, the little one inside you who's been told her whole life to be quiet and nobody wants to hear what she has to say? What does she need to hear from you? You got this. You got this. You got this. What was it like to imagine offering that to yourself in the moment? To be honest, it's all just so uncomfortable to me. Tell me what's going on. I want to crawl out of my skin. I don't know if it's because I feel so silly even saying this, like I don't deserve. Mm. I just feel just uncomfortable, you know, unworthy, unworthy, crawling out of my skin. Like, no. So there's a part then of you that doesn't believe in this, that's skeptical. 
And that is normal to have a skeptical part. You know that that skeptical part serves a very important purpose. Protecting it, right? Protecting yourself. Exactly. That skeptical part has kept you safe and whole and well your whole life. Maybe, you know, and you can get curious with that part of you about kind of what it thinks you need to do to be safe. Right. And so you can spend some time getting curious with it and just getting to know it. It can be really tempting when we find a skeptical part like that, a protective part, to just want it to go away. To just say, like, you're getting in my way. You are causing my problems. To blame it for keeping you quiet, for keeping you from growing. But in reality, what it's doing, it's been keeping you safe. It's been protecting you quite successfully your whole life right? So even if it's kept you from growing, like even if it's kept you from maybe connecting on a deeper level, it's still been keeping you safe, right? And so it's very tempting to want to push it away or tell it, we don't need you anymore. And that's very scary to our parts. Like we think about like, if this has been the bodyguard, right? In our life, this is the one who's been keeping us safe, keeping us quiet maybe. And you don't want to be quiet anymore. Like it's very scary to the whole system. If this is the one who has been managing so that she's lovable and acceptable and stays okay, right? Think about asking that part to step back. I mean, that can throw a whole system off. So instead, what we're doing is we just want to get curious and get to know the part, get to know what it thinks, get to know all of the ways it served you, come to understand like all the help it's given you, express gratitude and compassion for it. And eventually, as you get to know that part, then you can start offering things like, you know, I think I've got this now. You know, I see you, you've served me so well, and now I'm going to try something new. And you're right here with me. You can always keep me safe. You know, we're not going to banish those parts, right? We're not going to cut them off. We're not going to get rid of them. They're an important part of you, but you need to be the one who's leading and running the show now, you know? So I don't know how that's sitting with you. No, it is all making sense. I am skeptical, but I also know from doing some of the things that you've suggested from listening to your podcast and from your comments on the Facebook group, I am feeling and seeing changes Mm -hmm. that have been uncomfortable, but it's helping. I'm changing and it's pretty amazing, you know, but my whole family is changing because I'm making some changes. Yeah. So thank you. Yes. I was going to say something since this pandemic has started, it's so wild. And you had mentioned that it's normal for like old patterns to possibly come back. Maybe I'm wording it wrong. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But I remember as a child also begging for my parents' attention, for my mom's especially, you know, she Mm. would be reading or doing whatever. And I'd be like, play with me, mom, mom, mom. And now I'm doing that to my husband. I'm like, but I want Uh your attention. Me, me, me. So I think the whole self-soothing and learning how to comfort and be there for myself. Yeah. Huge for me, but it's, that's the uncomfortable thing that I'm having so much trouble with. Yeah. Last week I took three baths. (laughs) Good for you. I love that. I think that's so awesome. I mean, okay. So I'm going to teach you something too, that it's hard to teach on a podcast because you can't see it, but everybody, I want you to imagine the capital letter A and you can write that down. You have a notebook. So write down a capital letter A and a capital letter H. 
right next to each other. This is going to be your aha moment. <laughs> okay. So most of the time in most relationships, we are A's. So if you think about the relationship you had with your mom or the relationship that you have with your partner, we lean on each other like an A, like the ends, like each side, each line of the A was a person. We would be leaning towards each other. And the, like the line between the A was our hands reaching out right? We lean on each other. And this is one of the reasons why boundaries are so hard and so diffuse. And this is what codependency is too. you know, pay attention to me. I need to know that we're okay. You know, if we're okay, then I know I'm okay. If you know, you're stable, I know I'll be stable, right? Because we're leaning on each other and a healthy relationship with good boundaries where a person can stand on their own. The relationship is an H the shape, like an H where the two people are standing upright. They're connected in the middle. But if we break that connection, like maybe one person's a little distant, you know, or maybe one person's had a hard day at work and they come home grumpy. So if that connection breaks, both people are standing up straight. If we think about like, if people are A's and one person moves away a little bit, what happens to the other side of the A? It flops down, right? Like when we're in an A relationship, we have no choice other than like if someone pulls away to be like, wait, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, come back, make me sure I'm okay, right? We have no other option. Otherwise, we're going to lose it, right? We're going to fall down on our own and that's terrifying, right? So the more we can stand up on our own, be okay with ourselves, soothe ourselves. That's how we move into standing into in an H relationship. I don't know if that's helpful. It makes total sense. And normally we are in an H relationship. Yeah. Like I was saying, I don't know if it's the pandemic and all the trauma stuff. Absolutely. I mean, so stress absolutely help makes you revert to old patterns. So, you know, we have these neural grooves and if we have a pattern where we're stressed out, we're worried about things, you know, things are hard. We revert to old patterns that we learn during those stressful moments. Like that's the default, right? Absolutely. That happens. And now you're aware of it. And so you can work with it in the moment and when it's happening. So when you feel that urge to be like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, you can turn inward and find out like, okay, what's going on? What's going on with the little one inside me? What does she need? And it's not that we never need love and support or hugs from other people. It's the way we ask right? So there's a difference between saying like, hold me, pay attention to me, like tell me I'm okay. And you know, I'm struggling right now and I could really use a hug, right? Because the neediness kind of in the like, hold me, pay attention to me. And I'm guessing, I don't know your partner and I don't know anything about him, but I'm guessing his attachment style that that kind of pursuing is anxiety provoking for him and it makes him pull away. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we meet our partners, like we partner with people who will give us opportunities to grow. Right. So we, we choose partners who will, like, if you are the person who is like, when you're stressed, you get a little needy or unsure of yourself and you look for reassurance, you will partner with someone who is least likely to give that reassurance to you is most likely to be annoyed by it and to pull away from it. Right. And that's because you want your pure golden self inside you wants to heal and wants to be whole. And so you intuitively seek out the people and interactions that will allow that healing and growth to happen. And so it's not that you never get reassurance from your partner, but you get the reassurance or the love or the, you know, the, the hug from a place of wholeness. I don't know if that difference makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's so fascinating. Yeah, it is fascinating. And I would imagine too that your girls bring that neediness out 
in you as well at times. Like, especially if they're saying not so nice things to you, you want to know, like, I'm a good mom. You love me. Do you really hate me? You know, like all of those things trigger that worry, that deep seated worry and probably belief that ultimately you're not lovable. Yeah. That oh, deep it, it fear. Me so yeah. badly. Of course it does. And that's because that deep fear, like that fear of being unlovable is one of the most like tragic awful things a human can think about themselves because we're humans that need connection, right? It just makes me question everything about being a human being and a parent, you know, when you are told, I hate you, shut up, you're this, you're that, the meanness and the yelling fight or flight. And I just freeze and I feel it all in my body. And I'm way more aware about it now. And I'm not as reactive now Mm -hmm. and not being as reactive has helped tremendously. But yeah, it just brings me back to my childhood. This last year has really opened a lot of wounds. Yeah. And your body and your brain are very wise. Triggers are an opportunity for healing. That's what they are. That's the purpose that they serve. They serve the purpose of like an indicator light. Like there's something still here. There's work here to go. And so when your daughters say things like, I hate you, you're the worst ever, you're awful. They say these things that trigger these old deep seated fears for yourself. That's your chance. Your chance to hold a boundary with love and compassion for yourself of, I'm not going to let myself be spoken to about that way. You hold a boundary that you can actually enforce. So you cannot stop the words that are coming out of kids' mouths. What you do have control over is how you interpret them, the meaning that you give to them, what you let them mean about you and about your child and your relationship. And I mean, you can control your presence. You know, like you can protect yourself, especially if you were in a situation when you were a young child and you couldn't protect yourself and keep yourself safe from that. You absolutely can now. And the little one inside you needs to know that. And so like there's a turning inward process when that happens of a like, hey, don't worry, like little in there, this isn't happening again. I'm here. I'm a grown up. I'm keeping you safe. Okay. These things are not true. These words are not true. I'm a wonderful mother. My girls are lucky to have me and you have me too, little one inside me. You can talk to yourself in your own head, offer that love and compassion that you didn't get as a child. And then you set a firm boundary that's unattached to their response. So like, just like, like the difference between the like needy, like pay attention to me, like reassure me versus like, I'm feeling unbalanced right now. I could use a hug. The difference between those, like asking for your needs to be met. It's the same in the boundary. The boundary is I don't like being called names. Let me know when you're ready to start over and walking away if you need to in that moment so you can take care of yourself versus something like, it breaks my heart. It makes me so mad. You know, when you call me those things, like the delivery is different there and the meaning is different. And at the same time, it's so important to remember that as we are dealing with our own attachment wounds, the kids are building their internal stories too, right? And so they are wondering, as they say, you're such a, you know, whatever you, you, I hate you. They are wondering at the very same time, am I lovable when I'm a monster? Will my mom stick with me even when I'm the worst ever? You know, they are asking those questions, those deep fears that all humans have about our lovability. They're asking for confirmation on, am I lovable? Am I worthy? Right then in that moment. And so that's our opportunity to show little one inside of us. Yes, you're worthy. Even when people call you names, you're still worthy. And yes, my love, my darling daughter, I love you no matter what. 
and I don't want to be called names. So let's just calm down. Let's forget about it for now. So we don't say things we don't mean and we'll come back to it when you're ready. You know, like those are the, the approaches that are maybe a little bit different. I don't know if that's helpful too. Extremely helpful. Those okay. words that you were telling me, I mean, I have been trying to set these boundaries and I have done it in the last few weeks and it is working. It is the way in which I speak back to them, which I didn't have the tools. I didn't know what to say, but walking away last week to one of my daughters, you know, I said, you know, I'm not going to be spoken to like that. I'm going to go calm down in my room and I'll be out in about 10 minutes. And, you know, she put up a fight like, yeah, walk away, go away, you know, and I'm like, all right, I'll be back. And I stayed calm. And then I mm-hmm. came back out and, you know, reassured her no matter what, I love you, but I'm not going to be spoken to that way. And her behavior has been shifting. It is changing. I have mm-hmm. seen a lot of changes. I just need to continue setting my boundaries. Yeah. And it's okay to honor the emotions that are under the words too. They're just words. We don't have to get, like they have a lot of meaning to you because she's literally saying your deepest, darkest fears. You know, she's literally saying the things that your parents said to you, right? So of course they have meaning, but we can uncouple the words from the meaning, right? Yes. But they know how to dig deep. They do. They say sorry, but then later they'll be like, when I said that you're this, this is, I really meant it. I was only apologizing so that you would leave me alone. So <laughs> what is going on here? But no, I need to put on, you know, big girl pants, my mommy, whatever, and realize they're developing, they're growing and I need to look past the words. Yeah. Words only have the power and meaning that we give them. Like those words that they're using have a lot of meaning for you. And so this is the other thing that I think can be really helpful is asking yourself, what am I making this mean about me? So like when she calls you a bitch, for example, what am I making that mean about me? Just like getting curious, like what does that really mean? Like, what is she saying to me? And what am I making it mean? Because what she might be saying is like, math is really freaking hard right now. And I'm overwhelmed and I can't do it. And I'm lashing out at you. But you're so right. Yeah. But I mean, that's really probably like, those are things like that it might be meaning, but we have to get clear on like, what am I making it mean? Because when our kids call us names, for example, we make it mean that they're never going to be respectful, that we're a terrible parent, that they hate us. Like we make it mean all sorts of stuff that it doesn't actually mean, you know? So all of the things that we're talking about today are things that I walk parents through in my group coaching program, Parenting from Within, because I don't want you to just have to memorize a bunch of scripts. I want this to come from inside you, from a healed place within you so that you can actually trust your inner parenting voice and trust that that little young is taken care of, adolescent is taken care of, the protector who tells you to shut up and not say anything is taken care of, skeptical is taken care of so you kind of can manage your family inside you while you're helping grow your family on the outside of you too. So I hope that this was helpful for you today. Absolutely. Are there other questions that you have for me? I know your girls are learning and they're needing your time too. Let's see, no, I, we went through some good stuff here today. <laughs> good. Thank you so much for sharing your story with me. I know that it must have been an incredibly vulnerable thing and that you needed to be very brave to talk about it in this context. 
And I really appreciate your vulnerability and the gift of your time and your energy in this. I know that you are not alone in moving through these things. And I know that this conversation will be incredibly helpful to other parents who are in your shoes and are trying to make these moves that you are so bravely making. Thank you so, so much for everything. I have seriously grown so much since I have found you. It's noticed by many, not just the people that are living in my home. My friends are seeing it too. So I can't thank you enough for all of your help in my growth. Well, you know, I love being your guide and walking alongside you and you're the one doing the work, the brave work of it. So make sure that you are taking credit for that because again, like that protective one who's inside you, like needs to see you make doing this work and taking ownership for it so that they can trust you so they can step back and give it up and allow you to receive the love and compassion and grace that you deserve, that you're worthy of. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, now, before I let you go, I want to make sure you know about my 30 Days of Play Challenge that's coming up in just a couple weeks. Every January in my community, we spend the first 30 days of the year digging into what it means to play, why we should play with our kids, and why we should not play with our kids. I help you really get clear on what makes your kids tick so that you can get more independent, deep, immersive play out of them and a little bit of space and time for yourself. I help you figure out what's getting in your way of playing with your kids or enjoying playtime with your kids or not playing with your kids. I help you get clear on what your goals are for play in your family and in your home, what you truly believe about the role of play in childhood and the role in play in your own parenthood. And so I hope you'll join me for this 30 days of play challenge. You can click the link in the show notes here, or just go to laurafroyan.com slash play challenge. These 30 days are some of the most fun and engaging times in my community. So I hope that you'll join us. We're gonna have a lot of fun. I'll see you in there. Okay, so thanks for listening today. Um, Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.